I'm Andy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 31, Music and Movement. Today we're talking about music and movement, how they're so good for the brain, and how we can incorporate them into our normal everyday homeschool lives. Awesome. Yeah? Sounds fun. Yes, but before we get started, let's talk about some scoop on the coop. All right, I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, We traveled the world last week. Yes, tell me more. So we went to Sweden Mm -hmm. and Germany, and then we still have more on our agenda. We have Italy, uh, Japan, and Thailand as well. Yes, can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. How much were you trying to get done in last week? I was trying to get in all the countries. (laughs) Right. And then discovered two to three days per country is actually a better... Right. Yeah, because you planned out your... You didn't plan out how it was going to go because you guys opened your crates together. Right, yeah. So, and it, the crates each have, you know, this is Atlas Crate, so mm-hmm. it's through Kiwi Crate. Right. And each of the crates has, you know, like for Sweden, for example, we had, we created an ice hotel. We, um, we could have made a Viking ship. Right. But I didn't have a milk carton to do that. You know, I didn't plan ahead because we hadn't opened the crate yet. Right. Um, we uh, made a Swedish apple pie recipe. Nice. Um, and then, uh, we watched a bunch of YouTubes. We did the activities. We, um, you know, there were fun little like, uh, geography things we could do on the map and just a lot of fun stuff, you know, and then they have a little bit about the language and things like that. So it's really fun and, and the kids are enjoying it. So they had a favorite so far. Oh, between, uh, I, let's see for Germany. What did we make for Germany? What food did we make? The pretzels? The pretzels. Yeah. So t- the two of them liked the pretzels, um, the soft pretzels, and then one of them liked the apple pie better. Oh, funny. So it was food-oriented about which country they were more interested yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awful. I mean, that's... Oh, in Germany, we did this whole... Um, it's a tapping your, your legs and your heels, and they tell you what movements to do. Right. So we spent about 15 minutes doing that movement, and you know who was the best at it? Me. Of course. I got so good. You are so awesome. <laughs> I got so good that uh, when I saw my parents the other day, I demonstrated for them. You performed. <laughs> Look what I can do. I know. And and my dad's like, that's a good workout. And I'm like, <gasps> I know. I know. It's like, it's right, left, left heel, yeah. left, right, right heel. Right. And, but you do it really fast. Like, boom, boom. Right. You know, so, and I totally got it down and then you, you turn as you're doing right. it, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. It was really fun. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to hear how your next ones go. Yeah. I'm really excited for Italy. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about Italy too. What I, treats are you getting? Um, I don't know. Oh, so I, oh, I cause did. you don't ha- have to box them packed. Yeah. So the treat doesn't come in the box. So right, universal right, right. yums, the treat comes in the box, but right. I did make sure I bought one treat online for each yeah. of the countries. So we had one candy and I don't even know what the Italian candy is that I bought. Are you going to go get fresh cannolis? Oh yeah. So have I need to go. Have your kids experienced cannolis yet? No. I don't yeah. Know I wonder if girls might not cause they don't like whipped cream. Yeah. Might not so, be So yeah, we need to go get a treat cause I was going to do so pasta. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they've had pasta a million times. I was going to go to the place in our right. little downtown. Right. You know, but, um, 
But yeah, no, I think Spumoni. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, Spumoni. Right. But yeah, no, a fun Italian dessert. I'm gonna do that, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, what about you? Um, Let's see, so I had a lot of fun starting to already prep for next year. Awesome. Because you know how nerdy we are about wanting to have all the things and um, you know, it's always really good to get a jump start on it, which we'll probably have a whole episode about eventually. But um, it was just really fun for me to start thinking about how, like how I'm going to finish up this year, what I might want for next year, and just to kind of start brainstorming because um, I want next year to be about national parks and kind of really studying our country and geography. And so I'm kind of figuring out how I want to do that and getting all the things. And so I know fun. we sat down and talked well, about it yeah. too. Because I was like, you, you have to get this thing. And oh, I know. And I did. I'm, I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. The National right. Parks book and right. it's the game. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun to do a game night with that game. Totally. Like trekking. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, yeah, a game about the National Parks and their National Parks passports mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So I have more fa fun planning the school year than actually like implementing the new school year. I can understand <laughs> that. It's more fun for me to think about all the cool things we could do. Yeah. 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 And the road trips. You, probably, you should plan some oh, yeah. road trips for, yeah. for next year, We're going to go right? visit my sister in Colorado and yeah. we're going to go through Utah. So that's mm. already like six national parks between really? here and oh, Colorado. Wow. At least. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So we're very excited for that. And so it's just really fun to start already prepping for next year, even though it's February. Oh, I know. Seventh, you know, or whatever. <laughs> well, we've it is. already yeah. planned our coop group for next year. Totally. <laughs> yes. Which that'll be really exciting to talk about. All right. But let's get down to music and movement. Sounds great. Okay. So obviously this is a topic that is really dear to my heart. Um, because not only have I had a passion for dance since I was three or I was probably put in dance because I had a passion for oh, right. music and moving, um, there's stories of me listening to Fleetwood Mac records and just spinning in circles and never getting dizzy. Ooh. And my mom was like, she's going to be a dancer. <laughs> I and love that. We it are. Was, I, I love that. It was, well, oh, yeah, it was rumor. Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stevie. Um, uh, anyway, so, um, I've always had this passion for music and movement and it's always just spoken to me on a personal level. And, you know, you start to hear over the years how, much it can help in brain development and cognitive function and improving other subject areas. And mm -hmm. so the arts is often talked about as something that boosts things that we find more important. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's always a challenge. Like you right. squinted too, right? Because you're like, oh, because while it does do that, it doesn't need to be something that enhances other things. It can be something that is in and of itself a wonderful subject area. It's its own thing. It's its own entity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to point out before we get too far that even in education, so we know we have state standards when it comes to education, even as homeschool parents are typically aware. And that's what we're talking about in standardized tests. It, they follow the state standards or the national standards for core subject areas. There are arts standards too, hmm. specifically dance, music, and fine art. Wow. Yeah. Like complete with the numbers and everything, you know, oh. like arts code number 1.112, yeah. you know, whatever it is, yeah. they have codes, they have um, stuff. And so part of my dance education has been learning those and being able to come up with classes that hit a certain number of those standards for each different grade level. 
And so that's been a fascinating area for me. And so that all exists, but think about how many schools actually use the arts as core subjects. Yeah. Well, and just for our listeners here who may not have listened to previous episodes, um, Jesse, you have not only experience being in dance, right? not only experience being a professional dance teacher for two decades, right? but also you take courses and right. are getting licensed for yeah. certain um, certain degrees in dance right. so education. To be a dance educator, there's not currently any requirements. Um, many studios and obviously educational institutions are requiring more certifications and um, qualifications. And so there are different processes that you can go through. You can become a master certified dance educator. So I'm working towards that. Um, there's the entry level dance educator, which is kind of the basic level, um, just proving that you've had a certain amount of background technique work and child development or brain development understanding. And so that I already have. Um, so I'm working towards the master level, master educator in dance. And then, um, just professionally, I continue to develop my skill and knowledge base by taking courses. So we talked about one of the courses I took last semester, which was social emotional learning in dance education, Mm -hmm. which was a fantastic course. And then I just signed up for another one just to add to my plate with all the things. This one is teaching the choreographic process. So while I'm a choreographer and I have my own process and there's a natural way to teach or to do choreography, choreography, you know, when you're coming up Mm -hmm. with your own movement, but now it's being able to teach that method and to others. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I, what I think is that it's super valuable for people to know that they're hearing from someone who knows what she's talking about and, um, and you get it for free, right? You know, yeah. I mean, this, this is, is my realm. Yeah. yeah. And this is something that people, you know, pay you for. Oh, absolutely. On, yeah. you, you know, you teach 20 hours a week, right. you know, so. And that's, what's funny too, is I think most, most of my demographic of students are just people who want their, their little ballerina to come take ballet. And they have no idea that I incorporate all of these arts standards into their education, these brain compatible components to help with motor development skill and cognitive function and social emotional learning. They have no idea that in that 45 minute or one hour class, I've packed all of that stuff in yeah. intentionally. Right. It's not incidental. It used to be when I was 20 yeah. and I was teaching and didn't know what I was doing. I was just teaching what I was taught, you know, and so those things kind of happen naturally, but now it's with intention. You know, I ask questions intentionally to get them to connect certain ideas and certain thoughts and stuff. Yeah. So yes. So I appreciate you saying that. Yes. Um, but I wanted to just really kind of hone in on the fact that arts education is something it's, you constantly hear about it, but there hasn't been a huge movement to really change it. There's been lots of advocation for it and there's been lots of, of, um, small movements, small waves of pushing it, but it's always the first thing cut. Mm -hmm. So it's just hard because it starts to gain momentum and people find it important. Our new president even has a, a quote out there about arts education and how it's how arts are essential hmm. to humans, hmm. you know, and yet still we find that it's not enough. It's not out there. It's not considered something that is a core subject. Yeah, it's too bad. Right. So it's an enrichment. So think about what kids get enrichment activities. Usually kids whose parents either value it and or have the time and money and affluence to be able to do that. And where do you think most kids get their joy are from right. these quote unquote 
enrichment activity. Exactly. So it becomes this really interesting conversation. So arts education is its own thing. And so that's a kind of a different subject than where I want to dive into today. But um, I wanted to kind of give you this quote by Debbie Allen. So, you know, Debbie Allen? No, okay. I have no she idea. did the She wasn't the flash dance um, uh, star in the movie, but the series, the TV oh. show. Yeah, so she has flash dance and lots of other amazing um, things. She owns a dance company in Los Angeles. Oh, and cool. I've seen her perform, and she was on Grey's Anatomy. And, oh. Yeah, and um, lots of things. So sure, her credit list is huge. But Debbie Allen, she says, when you are talking about arts education, you're talking about character building, discipline, creativity, finding your own voice, and innovation. Hmm. Um, and there's um, a YouTube video that I'll link on our podcast webpage, so thecoophomeschool.com slash podcast. And it's by Edutopia, and it's entitled, New Studies Link the Arts to Crucial Cognitive Skills. And so this is the stuff that, again, we keep hearing about and that we may know, but it's not necessarily being really integrated yet, mm. but that the arts really help with cognitive performance. Um, arts education has been shown to narrow the achievement gap amongst students oh, of really? different, different demographics mm. and improve student outcomes. So in, um, in low-income neighborhoods where the outcomes aren't as great, there's lower or there's higher dropout rates, lower graduation rates. Um, when movements have come in to bring arts into those places, um, it's just amazing the turnaround that it can have. And in fact, there was a project called the Turnaround Project. Oh, cool. And so they were taking arts into schools. Um, and so then this starts to lead us into the conversation of school choice which I'll just touch on briefly, just to say that charter schools have this amazing ability to be able to fully incorporate arts in a very organic, natural um, way, and it has been proven to have better outcomes. Yeah. And it's just amazing, but they're under attack, and, you know, yeah. it's just There's it's a, too bad they can't be free to, to do that. And, right. Uh, free for students to leave their, their traditional public school to go to these charters instead. Yeah, in Vista, there's a performing arts charter school. school. Yeah. yeah, my husband went there for a time. Oh, really? Yeah. I did. I did some of my counseling yeah. hours there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's mm-hmm. so funny. I know. I think I forgot to tell you that when you were talking about your counseling hours. You know, like we we never got to a moment where I could say, "Oh yeah, yeah, Jake yeah." Went there every, briefly. Yeah. yeah, that's so funny because and everybody is involved in yeah. some kind of art. Yeah, yeah, I have several students who go there as well. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's a great school. So there's many great schools out there, which is one of the reasons why we are very pro school choice, because that might be the right opportunity for certain kids. Um, so anyway, there's definitely the case um, for advocating to treat arts as a core curriculum, and charter schools just have the ability to do that without mm-hmm. it being a fight, you yeah. know, or a compromise of what they're going to give up to in, mm-hmm. in order to do that. So And homeschoolers, too. And homeschoolers, right. So then I wanted to really quickly touch on arts integration. So arts integration is connecting an art form with another subject that meets objectives in both. So it's not using art to enhance another subject, mm-hmm. but rather it's truly integrating them together and helping learn things that are from the art subject as well as from the other core subject. So for instance, if you're talking about music and you're learning about rhythms, that is very easily a math um, 
subject that you can blend together yeah. and you can talk about fractions and dissecting. Yeah, I was just saying quarter notes mm-hmm. and yeah. half notes and yeah. yeah, it's the same concept. We teach rhythms and music the same way as you teach fractions in math. So oh, why not awesome. use that as an opportunity? So why can't you practice tapping out fractions? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I, yeah. I, so my son is going to, he's doing division right now, but he's mm-hmm. going to be going right into fractions. That would right. be really great. Oh yeah. You get a set of drumsticks if you want to make it something truly sensory oriented. Yeah. Or you'd get uh, rhythm CDs. So there's tons of music CDs that focus on rhythm. And so you can get something like that. And That's just so cool. Because he also plays piano. Yeah. So he can read music. And so he knows what these rhythm notes look like. Yeah. So that's not something new that you're teaching. But what you're doing is you're using both to further his learning in both subjects. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't know that he necessarily understands what a quarter note means. Right. You know, he knows. He might just have it memorized. A shorter note. Right. You know, but. Right. But that. It's yeah. a quarter of the whole note. note. And that's yeah. four counts. You know, yeah. and that's. Yeah. So it's very fascinating, you know, and you can write a quarter note as one over four. You can draw the quarter note. Like you Mm -hmm. do all of those interchangeably, like they're the exact same thing. Like it's one subject. So would this also look like when I was teaching seventh and eighth grade, they wrote, they picked their favorite poem that they wrote. Mm -hmm. And then we, they had a whole week in my class to create an art canvas. And I showed them how to use acrylic paints and how to blend and um, how to do like a softer background and yes. brighter Yes, foreground. because you gave them technique and art. Okay. So if it was just a free-for-all and you just had arts things out there and they did whatever they wanted and you provided no instruction in the art, mm-hmm. then I would say, eh, it's more like using art to enhance the other subject. Okay. But when you integrate it and you're providing technique and skill development in both subjects, mm-hmm. that is integration. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even know I was doing it. It's a nuanced thing. And yeah. so you have to be careful because arts enhancement is fantastic too. Right. That's not to say it's not great. But art integration into core subject areas is mm. what I was that's really, really wanting cool. to make sure that people understand. And so there are charter schools that do that. That's so cool. And there's a big movement now in teacher education that um, is advocating this kind of work. So it's teaching um, school teachers, education teachers, to incorporate arts into subject matter. Well, and I love that. That probably addresses the some of the different learning styles. Absolutely. Yep. So, And I'm going to get into that, oh. especially when we get into movement, oh. right? Because um, kinesthetic learning, hello. Right? You know, yeah, you exactly. can let your kid jump around while he's learning his fractions. Let's do it, you yeah. know? So, um, anyway, I think that the arts offer a big opportunity to help other subjects for many types of learners. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all of them, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that for many, I think most types of learners um, can feel enriched by incorporating arts into it definitely yeah okay so let's talk about music because fine art is not my specialty um and fine art definitely has its benefits Mm -hmm. but it's been really music and movement that has been researched and proven to show cognitive function improvement Mm -hmm. so let's talk about music first and the benefits of music education so we talked about rhythm math skill development that's one of the biggest correlations that music has with um core subject and brain Mm -hmm. development is its ability to improve mathematics, the math mind, the analytical mind, taking um, written notes, written rhythms, and being able to break them down and analyze them. Hmm. But you're doing, when you do it just with music, 
if you're only taking music class and you're not doing an integrated program, it's beautiful because you don't realize you're even touching that other stuff and no yeah. one's pointing it out to you either. Right, right. Right. And then all of a sudden when you get to fractions, you already know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And because it's all familiar and it's ingrained in you, um, the ability to hear a melody, to be able to trace back and hear a melody develops the auditory skills. Um, and then to, um, um, hear key changes in oh, songs yeah. too, to hear a bridge transition and hear the, the, um, the cadence of music it just adds to, especially children's, but everybody's ability to take in, um, information to take in written word and hear the rhythm in written word. And oh, so you cool. would find that kids that have more musical background, more music education, when they go to write, you'll see many of them have a natural cadence in their writing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just copying the simple sentence I've noticed form. that in your daughter, yeah. definitely, especially in her poetry. Like, right. it definitely seemed like way more mature. The poem she read for our poetry reading, right. for our coop group, seemed way more mature than her age. And probably because there was that, besides the word use, but the right. depth of the the rhythm was there. Right. She wasn't just memorizing it as words. She had a feel to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, I never know how much to trace it back, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because that's just her life. Mm -hmm. So is that an, an attribution that came from her early music education? Mm -hmm. Or is that just her? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But it, it's yeah. all, the, you know, it's all the same. I can't take away one thing and right. analyze that. So yeah. that's who she is. But it's just, um, very interesting to see when they compare students who've had music education, but they're in the same grade level for many years to see the difference, you mm -hmm. know, and it's almost always children that have had music education exceed their peers in um, language and in mathematics. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Can I go back to yeah. the key changes? So do oh, you yeah. mean like, um, like a major key and mm -hmm. minor key? Yeah, or just changing between different major like, keys, like for a C, instance. The mm -hmm. key of mm -hmm. C and the key of G. Yeah, yeah okay. so you can hear songs um, when they repeat a chorus, but they've, they've it's moved gone up the chorus. It's gone up a level or yeah. something. And so you can hear that happen, and so it's fun because now we point it out in my house when mm -hmm. we notice that that's happened, but it's what you feel is a climax. Mm -hmm. You know, like you feel it getting, you you just reached the point and now you know that it's going to start to resolve because mm -hmm. you just had your key change there. And yeah. it's not formulaic, you right. know, across but just the board. like a story, mm -hmm. like the story has the, the climax as well. And some right. of them have a weird formula to right. it. But we were just listening to the Beatles in the car and right. I was even just pointing out, um, we're listening to Abbey Road. Yes, album. I heard it in your Marco Polo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because we were listening to Beatles at the same oh, time. Funny. I put in my earbud to listen to you. Yeah. So I was like, oh, oh, that's that's cool. And they do a very progressive, you know, oh, yeah. they, they, you know, it starts off with one instrument and then the next, and yeah. they definitely have yeah. a build up. And they do the sounds in the background. Yeah. The you know, they have like different the, noises. We were trying to noises. listen <laughs> for that. So yeah. every once in a while you would hear like the keyboard. Yep. But it wasn't prominent, no. you know? So that was fun. And then, you know, the spouse was waiting to do his little drum lead in, you right. know, but he would do it at the wrong time, you know? <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, that's not the part. You know? Right, right. Wrong one. Yeah. Tricked you. And that's what's interesting is that you hear the patterns. And so if you're not focused and listening, you hear the wrong pattern and it's familiar. But that's yeah. what's so beautiful about music is that it was seamless. And so the drums made sense in that spot and not here, yeah. you know, because it was a progression that led to it or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very fascinating to see what music 
what people do with music and which songs become songs that are recognizable and why, or they stand out and why. We were listening to uh, You Spin Me. You Spin Me Right Round, yeah. Baby, Right We were listening to that, and Jake was like, do they even make music like, like that now with all the electronic and stuff? I'm oh. like, well, yeah, but this was so unique and innovative at that time. Mm-hmm that it stood out. So even people who don't necessarily like that music will know that song. It becomes iconic because of what those artists did, how they took a formula, made it unique, added sounds. You know what I mean? But like, if I heard a song like that nowadays, I wouldn't even listen to it. You know, it wouldn't strike me as unique or unusual, you know, and maybe half the people who listened to that song didn't even like it when it came out because it was too different. Well, you know, it's funny about this song as a side note. I was with my coach and we're in a 15 passenger van in a parking lot about to go. And that song came on the radio. So this is like, I'm right, like right, in right. high school or college or whatever. And, um, and all of a sudden I realized she's doing like total like circles in the parking lot just because nobody was she's there. Just playing around with the yeah, song. And then yeah. we were like, wait, what's happening? She's like, aren't you listening to the song? Hello. <laughs> right. And that's, what's funny, you know, for some people, it resonates differently, you know, like she heard it and felt it and was going to have fun with it, you know, and you guys didn't even notice it was playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're talking about basically sound engineering too. And I was telling my kids yesterday, I said, there's, there's a whole genre of engineering. That's just about like, I put on here comes the sun and it starts on the left speaker Mm -hmm. and it goes and goes to the right. And I made them all, I shushed them all. Right. I'm like, listen to this one part, and I turn it up, and then they could hear. I was like, did you hear that? Right. I was like, a sound engineer did that. Right. They figured out how to spread it out over the speakers to make it feel like it was moving across the car. Yep. I remember and, listening to my Walkman and finding songs that did that, and I was like, whoa, whoa, oh, I love that. Whoa, whoa. They yeah. don't really do that as much anymore, do they? I feel like oh, they, they don't do. notice it as much. Yeah, they do, but I don't think you and I are just paying as close attention to it. Versus the ones that we already know do it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like I know to look for that. And then in right. college, you know, you're sitting there with your oh, yeah. earphones on and really paying attention. Right. And that's why and... I know that they did because yeah. college was only 15 years ago. <laughs> but they were still definitely like my my favorite band, The Killers, was doing and it. The Killers. You know? <laughs> that's when I was yeah. like, wait, who are The Killers and why and are they Muse. on the uh, Grammy yeah. Awards? Like... And Muse. Muse was my Oh, I have to look them up. I've seen both of them several times. Wow. Yeah. I went to several concerts. But... What's been your favorite concert? Oh, Muse. Really? I love the Killers, and they do a good show, but Muse was spectacular. Okay. The visual, all of it is amazing, and their oh, artistry fun. is really, and their intensity. And yeah. I'll have to look them up, because I'm sure I know their songs, you know their songs. but yeah. yeah. If you know who the Killers are, or know of their music, I'm sure you've heard Muse songs. Mm-hmm. You just may not have ever connected with them, but yeah. anyway. Um, so, I wanted to segue into, what do you do? So, you want to start incorporating music into your homeschool or into your everyday. And so there's lots of options. If you have little people in your house, um, the library has amazing music programs, Mm. most libraries um, or community centers. They offer them for free or for really inexpensive. Mm. And so they have just 30 minute music programs. They might read a book and then, um, you know, have instruments, usually rhythm instruments, and then the kids get to kind of dance around and they're given some prompts and instruction. So that's a really easy thing to do as a group if you're not sure where to even begin with that. Because sometimes it's hard. If you have one kid at home, mm-hmm. you're really going to sit down and just sing, you know, mm-hmm. songs and march around the room. 
Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. It wasn't really something I felt motivated to do. And I'm a dance instructor. I would rather bring my child with me and do a big thing. Or we would just do it organically. We always listen to music oh, in, in the our car. house. And, and, and yeah. in the car. Yeah. yeah. So we would just always have music on. It wasn't something I sat down intentionally to do. So that's another idea is start listening to music. Well, and... Um, at the YMCA, mm-hmm. I would take my kids there, and they had a free-for-all day right. up to age, I feel like, six or seven. Okay. And you, you would pay... It wasn't free, actually. It was six bucks a kid. Now, if you remember, it was free. Sure. So, and then the babies were free because you're wearing them. And they would have gymnastics, and they would get like half an hour, an hour, whatever it was. And then at the end of it, they would play yeah. the Greg and Steve song. Oh, nice. So that's a good CD, by the oh, way. Yeah. The Greg and mm-hmm. Steve CD. If you do want to sit down with your kids, you could yeah. definitely do that with them yes. and do all the rhythm and that going up the elevator and down yeah. and all that. But anyways, they play the Greg and Steve song, which is about different types of walking. Like, oh, yeah. So everyone would go in a walking, circle. Walking, walking. No, it was, it was um, walk, and it would play okay. a certain sound. Sure. And that was the walk sound. And then they would say, run, and then they had a certain sound, and then they'd right. run in a circle. And then it was skate. Right. And then they had a certain movement for skate. And then they would do it again, but it wouldn't say the... The, the instruction, right. they had to, had to know the, yeah. Yeah. the sound. My kids loves that. So oh, then yeah. I would do it ho- at home on the Greg and Steve. Right. And they, and it, and even my baby, like who's barely walking, like just like she stumbling. Would get excited, yeah. Oh, she gets so excited. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing too, is you don't have to continue going to those things, but sometimes it inspires you and go, oh, it's easy to do that at home. Totally. Once they're familiar or once you are familiar with a, a song or a group or mm-hmm. an artist, because there's Greg and Steve, Hat Palmer has a ton of things and I'll link them on our podcast page as well. Um, I have my own huge Spotify movement playlist oh, as cool. well that I'll link and so a lot of the songs just tell you what to do and so then you get to do it because there's one there's another one and the woman talks the whole time walking walking and you know and then um running running you know and so she changes how she sings so it's a similar idea and then in my my dance class right now for the month of February since in here in SoCal we've had some crazy weather we had one storm yeah well a there was bit hail of snow. and it looked yeah. like it snowed right there's a little bit of snow um, you know, and then we were back at 75 degrees yesterday. Yeah, it's so, beautiful. Anyway, we talked about weather and it was a fun opportunity for them to do the same idea. So this one has no words. It's me prompting them, but it's a song designed for different weather patterns. The first one is rain. The oh, second cool. one is, um, wind and then snow and then a storm, thunder and lightning. And so I just tell them like, how would you dance if it was raining in here? And then we listen to the song. So I help them, but by next week, cause we've done it once now by next week they'll remember the the pattern and they'll be able to hear it and know which one is which without me prompting and so then when they do it then I'll acknowledge like yeah that is rain I see you dancing in the rain you know and so it's just fun to encourage that so that kind of move or music connection is really important and so well and there's like remember that we we did a our favorite books podcast um an earlier episode and um one of the books I showed, mm-hmm. it was called, like, Can You Hear This? Or yes. Can I Hear This? And it ha- came with the CD. But now it's probably a digital. Oh, totally. Like, you can get that. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, your weather reminded me of it because uh-huh. it wants you to act like the trees right. and the storm. And yeah. it's and it's classical music. Right. That they're, and then one of the songs is, Can You Hear the Beeps of the Cars in a Traffic right. Jam? But it's just like a trumpet or something right. making the sounds. Exactly. And, so... 
when you're thinking of just the music side of it, all of that stuff, like that is its own unique process because that's an auditory process, taking in the music, being able to hear the difference between the different instruments, different patterns. There's those beautiful orchestra books yeah. or, you know, um, story books um, that go along with um, oh, yeah, different like Peter ballets. And the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Peter yeah. and the Wolf has that. And I would put oh, yeah. on the YouTube of yeah. Peter and the Wolf and it's just the orchestra. Right. And then they would follow along in the actual right. book. You know, the best the narration pages. of Peter and the Wolf is um, David Bowie. Ooh. David Bowie does Peter How and do Wolf. you find that? Spotify oh, or, okay. you know, whatever medium you How listen cool. to your music on. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but you might be able does to check. Does he sing at all? No, there's no singing. Oh, I know. But, but he but... narrates it. Now, this is the grandfather. You know, and oh, then and so Peter cool. went this way. because So Peter and the Wolf has also been turned into... A ballet or mm-hmm. been extended into the dance world okay. and so there's many dance versions of it as well oh. so as a dancer I've seen you know 15 different versions of it put on over the years and so his narration is my favorite well and what's cool is when you have so I used to use, do all this kind of stuff when they were you know two three four right. five and what's cool is that was before we ever introduced any Disney movies to them yes right? They hadn't seen anything that had a bad guy or a villain. Right. And so Peter and the Wolf, they were intrigued. And all they're watching is an orchestra. Exactly. With a little picture book. Yeah. And that they were intrigued by it because this is the the wolf is a bad guy. Right. And so that was, you know, and so in my mind, I was like, I want to introduce these things before they build up a, a tolerance against that. And they just need like... The Disney, right? You know, the formula. Yeah, yeah, for everything. Right. Yeah. Even though I love Disney, of course, yeah. of course. Um. So then, if you don't have access to going to a library and you don't know where to start, obviously you can plug in music into YouTube, and you'll come up with different types of programs or different things. And so, even just looking at the age category for your kids and looking for a music and movement, you know, um. Uh, moment comes up and it's just great because you can find what your family likes. Do you prefer classical music? Specifically look for classical music for your age group that you're looking for. Do you want them to be introduced to rock and roll? You know, you've been doing some different music studies. You guys study musicals, but you have um, ideas to be studying more things as you go along. Yeah, like using the Who Is books. Right. Do you want me to talk about that? Oh, no, we don't have to go there. But there's, you know, composer studies. There's all kinds of ways to study music and to be able to dive into it. And so knowing how your kids want to learn and be involved in music is really important, too, because maybe... They want to learn about people. So if you want to teach about composers or artists, you know, if they want to learn about your favorite musicians, that's a great jumping off point. And then you can kind of talk about some of the historical background Mm -hmm. of it and then just really listen to their music and talk about how it differs. You know, how is rock and roll different than classical music? Mm -hmm. Let's listen. You know, what do you notice? What what are the instruments like? So there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, But if you're looking for other things, there's obviously private lessons between... um, private instructors who operate completely independently on their own and then there's also music studios everywhere so if you haven't seen one you know get on facebook get on facebook yeah or ask your mommy group because there are definitely music studios everywhere you just might not have known about them and there's homeschool ones oh absolutely there's even homeschool music programs there's all kinds of music programs out there and so if you're looking for a music studio where you're not sure if your kid's going to want to stick with piano and you don't want to invest in a private teacher 
you know, you can invest in a music studio. And if your kid's moving around to different instruments, you might have the opportunity to do that within the studio. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great That's idea. Cool. They a lot of studios offer camps and other programs. The music studio our girls are doing ukulele through is now offering a youth orchestra. And mm -hmm. so if you play an instrument and already have um, your private lesson and are continuing to work on it, you can join the youth orchestra and start honing in on that skill. Too. Does an orchestra use a ukulele? No. <laughs> so our girls are not el eligible at the moment. But it's just kind of this cool idea, you know, because, and then you know, this is a completely different podcast, but talking about missing out on opportunities, you know, that's a big one too, is the opportunity to be in a band. Yeah. Many schools don't even have them because right. again, that's not something that's considered a huge priority maybe until high school. So then where are these kids learning the instruments to play in high school? Right. You know, independently, a lot of them. But some elementary schools and middle schools still have bands. Mm -hmm. um, or choirs. Or, or choirs and all of that. I was things, in choir right? in uh, junior high, I and I, I'm not a good singer. Right. Yeah. But it was really fun. It yeah. was like, felt like a recess. Right. Even though I was already homeschooled by middle school, I went to the local middle school in my neighborhood and participated in their jazz band. I played saxophone in the morning because that had to be a zero period. Oh, Couldn't yeah. incorporate it into the regular program. Right, yeah. So that was a zero period. And then our um, concert band, I played the flute. That was my main oh, instrument. Yeah, right. And then um, I played the flute and concert band. Yeah. You should uh, lead us out at the end of the podcast mm -hmm. playing your flute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe another time I'll dabble in some jazz flute for you. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so there's tons of group classes with the availability of online virtual programs now, even on OutSchool. Oh, yeah. You can learn an instrument or learn to read music or take a music movement program on OutSchool. Yeah. So there's so many resources out there. So if you're not sure where to start, you figure out what medium you want to learn from. If you need an all-inclusive, I just need somebody else to kind of do this program, um, I really highly recommend Let's Play Music. Yeah. It's the one I put my daughter in and I'm intending to put my son in. They start with a Mommy and Me program for ages, I think, 18 months and up. Um, and it's a franchise program. So the developers in Arizona developed this program. They follow the um, methodologies of three major music experts and they incorporate it into one program. So they teach very early music development because um, they believe the research indicates that the best time for um, the brain to take in music education is zero through eight. Well, just like any other language, right? It's the window of time yeah. for that kind of thing. So yes, I often um, compare dance and music to a foreign language. Yeah, to other that's people. how I see yeah. it too. Yeah, it's foreign. It takes a little bit of acclimating. And then once you're familiar with the music and movement, then you can start adapting and learning really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, Let's Play Music has the Mommy Me program, and then its real highlight is their three-year program. Mm -hmm. So it starts at age five, and then um, it's three consecutive years. Each year has two semesters, and um, it introduces them first to um, the bells, like xylophone-type bells, and then um, they learn that... Um, they learn that musical patterns can shift... So sometimes early education has like C note is always do, do a deer. Mm -hmm. So C is always do, but that's not true in music. Hmm. Do can be any note. Yeah. It just depends where you're starting your scale. Right. You know, and so it's just really neat because they incorporate that in a really seamless, fun playtime way. So they start on the bells. 
And then um, they have puppet shows that introduce classical songs. Yeah. And so the puppets represent different musical patterns. So whenever you hear the same pattern come back, that character in the puppet show comes back. So it's like this really cool, unique idea to come up with these like puppet shows. And we had so much fun doing those. Even my little guy knows them because we've listened so to them cute. so much. And then um, it the three-year program ends with them being able to play chords and single notes on the keyboard or piano and read music. And they write their own, right? Don't yes. They write, it culminates yeah. in mm -hmm. a final um, composition. So my daughter wrote her own piano piece by That's the end so cool. of it. You know, and so she couldn't write the notes herself, but she worked with her instructor and she would play it. They would work it out together and decide what patterns to repeat. You know, they kind of went through that kind of thing and it was just really neat. So yeah, the whole time you were in it, my, my major FOMO was kicking in. Right. Yeah. yeah, and um, so how how would they find this? They just go online to yes. letsplaymusic.com? So if you go to Let's Play Music, you'll look in your area for a franchised teacher. So not every area is going to have them, but they're always looking to recruit new teachers as well. So they want that to be expanded into all the areas. So there's several teachers just in the 10 square miles of where I live. And what's different about this is mm -hmm. it's in their home. Yes. And you can't bring the other children. Or you have to have someone there to at least be with the other children. Once you get into the Let's Play Music three-year program, yes. It's okay. meant to be. So the first year of that program, the parents come every week or every other week um, because they want you involved because it requires listening to your CD every day mm -hmm. in the car and there's a little bit of homework and practice involved. So it's very parent-involved. Um, and then by year two, I think you come in once a month and same with year three, you come in once a month, um, to observe and be with them. So mm -hmm. when you have your observation day or the parent involvement day, they do ask for no siblings because it is very short. The classes are very tightly organized. There's not a lot of room for distraction, mm -hmm. um, without kind of tanking the whole semester. And so like, that's, that's one thing that can be good or bad, right? Because if you don't have a teacher who's very strong at managing the classroom and keeping them on track, mm -hmm. you could easily get really off and not meet the learning objectives. And so it just kind of depends. Hopefully you find a gem of a teacher mm -hmm. and, you know, your child has a good experience. So well, we had a great experience. I was going to say, someone could probably even recommend mm -hmm. a, a teacher to you. Right. And it's across the country? It is across the country. I just don't know how many teachers are mm -hmm. in different areas. I know it's super heavy on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, you know, it started in Arizona. There's a ton of teachers across Utah, Nevada, mm -hmm. and California. Um, and then it's not for everybody. I know tons of people who were really interested in it. They saw the benefit of it. Um, but it's a big commitment. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, um, you know, having the, the city right. in the car. And, right. Um, but it, it, I only hear good things about right. it. It was just not working yeah. for me and right. what... Having the other kids and not having someone oh, to totally. really watch the it's kids. Oh, totally. not for everybody, yeah. And then I didn't want the commitment. Right. So, um... Yeah, because it's not really something that you can take a semester off from. Mm -hmm. you, the summer is off. There's a fall and a spring semester. Um, but if you don't like it after one year, you can drop out. But just imagine if this is kind of like a cohort-style learning. Mm -hmm. All those kids that started in their first year, if everyone drops out by year three, you know, so you it's really meant to be something that's committed and followed through mm -hmm. on. And so not everybody feels strongly that mm -hmm. way. And so it's, you know, it's not for everybody, but it's an amazing program. And so you can obviously see their model. And if you have music background or know something, 
somebody, you can easily mimic that in its yeah. own way and kind of find those values and, and that kind of stuff. Well, um, I bought myself, I bought us a set of handbells. Yes. And then, of course, the colors of the handbells did not match the sheet music I got for the handbells. So oh. I'm like... Oh my word! You know, right. So I have to get a different one now. To, right. but I, That's always the complication when you try and looking at different, yeah, yeah, and looking at different models because mm -hmm. there is no true color association to right. notes, you know. Yeah. And so you have to be careful because, like, even in Let's Play Music, this is the red chord, blue is next. I say, you know, and so you're associating colors with these things, but. By the second semester, they take out the color and they mm -hmm. replace it with this is the C chord or whatever yeah. it is. And so then they they replace that in their brains uh -huh. and then now they know that that is C. So yeah. some kids may attach to the red mm -hmm. and that takes a little bit longer to kind of retrain, right. but most of them just keep going with whatever mm -hmm. the current information is. Um, but there's tons of music education CDs out there, like you mentioned, Greg and Steve, and there's more that are more um, technical, and then there's some that are more movement-oriented, mm -hmm. and so just even rotating amongst those yeah. different kinds are And we, we always started our day with that. Like, right. it was a fun, when my kids were ages six and under, I'd be yeah. like, oh, the, this is how we kick-started the day, and they right. were always so excited to do it, and then it got them all energetic. Right full of energy and then it was fun to do an activity after that like right. an art activity you know I wouldn't then have them go sit at a table no yeah you know so we might have had our Keep breakfast and done our bible time and whatever right. table work we had and then it was like all right let's start now yeah. you know and then we would do that it was yes. just high energy giggles yes. chasing after each other yes. just really fun yeah and the last big suggestion I would have for incorporating music would be to get instruments Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to go buy flutes and saxophones and violins, yeah. but get rhythm instruments in particular because every child should become familiar with being able to tap out rhythms mm -hmm. and patterns. Mm -hmm. It's super critical for brain development in general. Um, and then it enhances mathematical development and that yeah. um, kind of thing. But, um, I mean, we have... We have two boxes of instruments that have mm -hmm. more baby instruments in our little playroom. Mm -hmm. And then out in our main room next to the piano, I have um, these really cool ones called boom whackers. Mm. And so now my son likes to pretend they're like lightsabers, okay. but they each are tuned. So the biggest one is the low C. And so when you hit it and tap it on things, it makes a C note. How fun. That's and a boom whacker. Boom whacker. Yeah, I will link it for everybody. And then I'll even link one of the videos. College students are playing them. Oh, cool. They sit in circles. It's like playing the bells, you know, and so uh -huh. you have the high C and you have the low C. Uh -huh. And then when it's your turn, you know, you do your bell. But they're playing with these boom whackers. And they were playing, I think, um, Imperial March from Star Wars. Oh, fun. So funny. So it's just kind of cool that these little children's instruments have now become something that yeah. these older creative well, kids have gotten into. And it's, it's exciting. Like the, the street music, yes. musicians in like San Francisco, we were walking uh -huh. to the uh, color factory actually yeah. when it was there. And on the way there, there was a guy in the corner and it was just the, the empty water canister, yeah. you know, and um, some pots and pans yeah. and he was like going to town yeah so when you see those people stop and watch mm -hmm. give them a couple dollars totally but your kids are totally learning right like having a concert right and it's yeah. it's just it's such a neat thing and it, I remember uh I went to a session on um learning your child's unique calling um and she said the the professor teaching it was like okay so when you're sitting there and you're at the table and they're kicking 
that's them making music. Right. And so reframe it in your mind and build into that. Right. You know, and now I'm usually saying, okay, can you stop that? You know, but, um, when I would brush my daughter's hair, it was very, uh, tangled. Right. And then she would hold on to the cupboard in front of her cause she was so little. Right. And then she might be like, you know, going back and forth, like, gung, 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 gung. and I'm like, Ooh, that sounds like right. music. Let's dance to it. And then she'd like have You're fun doing that. Yeah. yeah. But she is making music with Absolutely. it. And, mm-hmm. and as adults, we've forgotten that aspect yeah, a that lot. music is everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And it's in our kids. And, yeah. and so to just keep in mind, if they're tapping on the table, yeah. like you add your own instruments with right. your fingers. You know, I read or, something interesting when I was putting this um, podcast episode together that we forget sometimes that arts are ancient hmm. between drawing, you know, pictographs and all of these different things. Um, art, music, and movement are ancient. Hmm. Almost every culture ever studied or uncovered has included arts in their culture hmm. in some way or other. There's primitive drum. You know what That's I mean? True. I mean hieroglyphics it, even. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just fascinating to to think about it in that respect. And then as adults of our modern culture, we forget. Yeah. You know, we forget to value these things as important as yeah. It's just very I mean even an architectural tour, we did that in yeah. Chicago. Right. We did the boat ride, but it was the architectural one. Right. And that that was just beautiful, you Absolutely. know. And and every city has awesome architecture, yeah. you know, or they have music festivals. Go to the music festival. Exactly. And yeah. just being present and my dad is really good at that, like just loving to go and just be somewhere yeah. and and at Disneyland, we would stand there and watch the barbershop quartet. Oh, totally. You know, so a lot of people just walk right by because they right. got to get to the ride. But f- since we had passes, it's like, oh no, this Today is their education. Yeah. yeah, this is their education. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. let's, when the marching band was there, we stood there and made sure and I pointed out the different instruments. And right. I don't know a lot about music. So right. you have to have a little bit in there. But, you know, if you have your phone, you can look oh, yeah. it up real quick. Oh, totally. You know? Or that's when you then go home and you get your all about the orchestra book and yeah. you can hear it and see it and all of that. And yeah, so I recommend having instruments in your home, even just basic Oh yeah, we had a, instruments. a tote bag and mm-hmm. it had the little symbols, it yeah. had the, um, what's it, the xyl- xylophone, mm-hmm. yeah. it had the, um, you know, uh, the triangle right. and all yeah. that stuff. And it was just always available yeah. for them to play with and bang around yeah. with. Yeah, since August was born... Um, we were given hand-me-down instruments also, so we I always say yes, and I added them to our collection, and it came with two sets of drumsticks and a oh, practice drum pad. Yeah. So it's a pa- practice pad for drummers, and so that was out every morning, and, you know, Jake would have the little kids, you know, um, tambourine over here oh, yeah, as a cymbal, yeah. and, you know, he was just drumming all the time, so even on the kitchen table, so... My little guy just knows that music is everywhere. It's mm-hmm. something he's seen even more so than my daughter oh, because yeah. he was born into that already And he happening. sees her doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so now in our in our house, the piano is kind of in our main room. He has a drum set now. It's right next to the piano. And so you've seen it. Like, yeah, he goes there's just a bunch down. of drive-bys. Like all the kids that come over, yeah. you know, they want to touch the piano. And I'm like, great. That's yeah, fine. Totally. As long as we all can respect the instruments, right. let's do it. You know, and so it's really neat. So that's why I have my my slightly higher quality instrument basket right there next to the piano because then multiple kids can all like engage mm-hmm. together and do that and yeah. so it's been really neat to just have so much music in the house with um with the little like what did you call them like the little kid instruments the mm-hmm. baby instruments the reason I developed our bag so we had like 
20 different things in there probably. Right. Even the thing you spin, it goes, oh, sure. You know. Um, so was my son was in speech therapy mm-hmm. when he was between the ages of two and three, cause right. he maybe had one or two words. So, um, I wasn't worried about it, but everybody else was. So we got the free speech therapy and it was mommy and me. And one fifth of the speech therapy was instruments and music and talking wow. about the instruments, right. you know, like bang, 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 you right. know, mimicking making, sound. Yeah. Making yeah. sounds. And so I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. So then I right. got my bag of instruments, and that's what we incorporated into that's our playtime cool. together. Right. So, um, you know, even if you go to one mommy and me yeah. session, you can learn a lot. Right. And like you said, then you can bring it home and do it at home as part of your homeschool day. Yeah. And kids love making noise no matter what age. And so, they're going to. Yeah. yeah. So it's really... Don't try to fight it. And now we have a kid's guitar. Right. They're not getting guitar lessons, but... You know, it's up there. They can take it. They know they can take it down from right. the little, you know, artistic way right. it hangs. You know, right. they can take it down and play with it whenever they want. Right. And if they want to pursue it, all they then have we, to... Right. Yeah. It's a conversation. Totally yeah. yeah. So, and then I have a little basket next to it with the recorders and mm-hmm. um, an instrument I don't even know the name of, you know, that yeah. I saw people getting on Instagram. So, right. it's 34 bucks. I'll get it. I'll right. have it there. And the lab part? Oh, no, that one. Yeah. yeah the, the tune. The, yeah. The, fork tuner whatever yeah, yeah. yeah it's just this thumb thing yeah, you know yeah. yeah almost like a xylophone but right, right, right. it's with your thumb yeah you yeah. it with your thumb yeah so let's transition into movement a little bit now because um even though we've already talked for 50 minutes this is a little <laughs> more my forte but i'll keep it co- more concise um i just happen to have even more um statistics and information to share when it comes to movement because that's more my forte um so the National Dance Education Organization, they're the ones who certify dance teachers, and it's where I take a lot of my professional development courses. Um, they say, dance facilitates the kinesthetic learner's exploration of abstract geometrical concepts, enhances their problem-solving skills, and enables them to develop a mathematical thinking process that can be verbally communicated. So this is really interesting for me in multiple ways, because I think oftentimes kinesthetic learners look like kids who can't sit still and learn. Mm. And oftentimes in traditional school settings or standardized test results, you know, conversations, those kids don't perform as well because when they're forced to sit still, their brains are too busy because they're not getting their energy out. Mm -hmm. So they actually aren't focusing on that information as well. And so I find it very interesting that the NDEO kind of calls that out. Dance is such a kinesthetic, you know, process, obviously, because you're moving constantly. So for the kinesthetic learners, dance is so great for teaching them these things that they often fall behind on Mm -hmm. in learning situations where they're not allowed to move around. Mm. So I thought that was a really great opportunity to point that out because that's kind of specifically what they're talking about is Mm -hmm. kinesthetic learners. But also, everyone has this need for kinesthetic outlets also. Right. Some very low on the scale than others. You know, there's mm-hmm. definitely those kids who are like, no, nah, I don't like to move around. You yeah. know, they don't want to work out. They don't want activity. They really like just reading and being mm-hmm. more still, and that's okay. They're just low on the scale of kinesthetic need and impulse. Um, you know, 
But I think in general, the opportunity for kinesthetic learning is really huge and dance is a great outlet for that. You know, there's many that I fully support. I think any activity for kids that gets them physically active is really important. But what dance does differently is we're connecting with music and our bodies. And when you're using your body, what you're doing is you're developing the brain-body connection. Mm -hmm. And so what that means from a more neuroscience perspective is that you are creating and developing more synapses. Mm -hmm. So you are making sure that the brain is creating new neural pathways into the body and being able to connect. So you've seen there's a range of people and their abilities for coordination um, to be able to take in an instruction and make their body do it. Some people are really connected mm-hmm. with their bodies and others are not. Right. Um, and those are, I, I remember for swimming, my mom was telling me just actually the other day, she said, when, when you wanted someone to give you a lesson, yeah. uh, like a, like a finessing lesson of how to like hold your hand differently in the water and stuff. Um, sometimes you had to try out for them to even be willing to look at you. Totally. And so, um, this, uh, th- a swim lesson uh, coach was like, okay, I will look at her. Like, and she, you know, points to me like, yes, I will look at her right. because she will take the information I give her right. and she translates it immediately. Right. And so like, like I, I could interpret what she was saying and right. how it worked with my body. Right. But, um, but that's also what made me better at swimming than maybe right. other people. Cause if you can take instruction. So I love, right. I love that because across the board, that's what you want in right. all sports and, yeah. and I think that's and, naturally what makes people better athletes. And so there's, there's some that may be born talent, but there's just so much that was a brain development issue. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us don't realize that it's something that can be developed. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have um, this book that I took for my creative movement course, and it's called Brain Compatible Dance Education by Anne Green Gilbert. And she runs a creative movement studio up north, and it's just fascinating. And she has a whole learning center there. So someday I hope to go and take a Mm. workshop up there and all of that. Have fun. um, In the book, the first chapter is an overview of how the brain works and then tying it into how movement can continue to develop that. So she breaks it down into age categories. Um, conception to birth is cell explosion, which we all know, you know, and so even at that point in time, critical brain development is happening. And so even moms who aren't themselves moving regularly could um, uh, cause cell malformation. Wow. Isn't that, yeah, fascinating. So I'm only focusing on the movement aspect, but there's, uh, she lists a bunch of other things because yeah. she's talking from a neural standpoint, not yeah. just a movement standpoint. So but a lack of exercise can cause um, cell malformation wow. in, in a fetus. Yeah. So, and then from birth to age three, we're talking about synaptic connections. So it's brain mapping. Mm-hmm. And so it's just fascinating. So That's what you're doing when you're enhancing the opportunities for your children to move and to connect from zero to three with music and um, motor development skills, you're creating more neural pathways, which is more opportunities for their brains to grow and expand. I always explain it to my kids. Not, I'm not a science person right. at all, but the way I understood it is you think of these things as train tracks. Oh, totally. And mm-hmm. um, and you're developing more options for the train tracks to go. Right. And then the more you practice, you're making the tunnel pure. The tunnel is getting stronger and stronger, so you can really fly through that quickly. And here's the side that we don't often think about. The tracks that aren't being used 
they die off. That's true. They do. They get dilapidated. Yeah. yeah. Even from as young as three years old. Wow. So any of it says here, um, brain cells that don't find work die. And sensory yeah. deprivation can cause oh, that. So yeah. these sensory opportunities, I mean, that's why you hear that across the board for yeah. little people is sensory, sensory, sensory. And this is why, mm -hmm. because it creates neural pathways in the brain that adds to synaptic connections. And people are so divided or separated from sensory other than like TV type of sensory, mm -hmm. because back in for throughout history, people are attending the fields, their fingers are yeah. in the dirt. They're getting cut by a blade of grass. Yep. You know, they're harvesting. They're, Sensory all the time. Yeah. yeah. They're outside. They're smelling. They're hearing right. the birds, you know. And then now it's it's in these cities that we live in. Right. It's so limited. Right. And just to touch on that, even in this book, um, she calls it um, when you... So even the American Academy of Pediatrics doesn't recommend any screen time. Zero screen mm -hmm. time for zero to two years old. Yeah. Because what happens to the brain is you go into what they call ocular lock. And so when you go into ocular lock, it's no movement and you're just staring. Mm. And so there's no movement in your brain. Wow. It's just your eyes. And you're definitely processing some information, but it's no movement. You're not developing anything in your brain. Wow. It, it crazy. Fascinating. Yeah, people put their kids in front, and including me sometimes. Of you course. Know, put their kids, at, even at that age, in front of something right. to learn. Right, and you justify learning. it. Right. Yeah, and, and even if it's Sesame Street, they're not getting They're that. at least not developing their brain. Right. So even if it is educational, they're still just going into what they call ocular lock, and they're not developing and expanding the brain mm. versus being able to just put on music and let them crawl around on yeah. something, you know, and so... Put their hands in right. some sand or that, sensory Like you dance. said, that's hard because sometimes you just, you put on the show because you just need to go cook dinner real quick right. or go to the bathroom yeah. or whatever it is. And so allowing these sensory opportunities for young children is particularly challenging because things go in mouths. And so, you know, it's definitely hard and there's a challenge. And so there's no judgment on moms oh, and totally. parents. Well, However, I've done that. Right. I mean, when you're talking yeah. about optimal brain development, mm -hmm. this is what the conversation would be. Yeah. We've all put our kids in front of the yep. TV before the age of two. Yep. <laughs> um, so then between the ages of 4 and 12, this is called the dendrite expansion. So this is where the brain cells are stimulated. These dendrite branches go out and the synapses create neural connections. So this is really like you were saying, you solidify the tunnel. Mm. So 0 to 3 is creating the tracks and, ex and um, expanding the tracks, mm. getting them to really reach out. And then 4 to 12 is this making those tunnels solid, you know, mm -hmm. making these permanent tracks. Yeah. The talent code is mm -hmm. a book that talks about that. Right. And then like, even here it says a multi arts experience, appropriate challenges, timely and positive feedback, good nutrition, caring adults, and a focus on process rather than product will continue the growth of a fully functioning human body in, um, or sorry, a human in both body and mind. Mm. So that's just really fascinating, you know, and so again, that just goes into this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. Like you need all of these subjects, you need the core subjects, and then you need arts to be a core subject because movement is so critical to, you know, making these things permanent. And then from ages 12 to adult, that's really the time of brain plasticity. So while you might not be developing new neural pathways, it's important to exercise your brain. It's mm -hmm. not done. It's not um, static. It's plastic. 
it has plasticity and so it needs to be stimulated so you t hear all the time about adults who need to be doing let's do crossword puzzles and all these things mm. to keep the brain active yeah it has to be active and so sense. right and so continuing to do these uh, brain body connections is a really great opportunity um um, I, we were at flag football yesterday and watching them doing their warm up. So they don't have the music in the background, right? but watching them and the guy, the boys have to run across sideways and they have to do yeah. one foot in front, yep. pull out the other foot and then the other foot in the back and yes. pull out the other foot. Grapevine. And uh, what are they called? In the dance world, we call that grapevine. Okay. So, um, and as I was watching him do that, I was like, I am so glad I put him in dance camp for like three or four yeah. years in a row, you know, uh, because, you know, that's the kind of stuff he was right. doing and how awesome he got to do it with music as well, yeah. you know, but I was just glad that he had some of that. So he, I could tell he struggled at first because he hasn't practiced right. that, that type, that choreography, if you want right, to call right, it for right. a while, but, but then he got right back into it and I was like. Oh yeah, there there's dance right there. Exactly. You know? And that's why so many sports talk about how dance can enhance it. Right. Between balance and um, musicality for like for gymnasts for yeah. instance or other uh, ice skating. Mm -hmm. Um and then for football they talk about agility mm -hmm. and control and coordination. And you need to be light on your feet sure. for yeah. every sport. Definitely. You, know? you need to be able to move quickly mm -hmm. and that requires a lot of skill and training. And obviously a lot of the drills in football are going to be honed into that as well. Mm -hmm. But if these guys are also taking dance outside, you know, or have been since mm -hmm. they were young, it would definitely already put their brains at a higher level. So mm -hmm. then they can focus on the more specific muscle training for football mm -hmm. and not have to work so hard mentally on the coordination of things. And you know, when you have a, a son and you're not part of the dance world, or you're not part of the music world, dance like ballet and tap are definitely not on your list of things no. to put them in. It's little league, you know, right. and there's also a societal just expectation uh -huh. of that. So, um, so I was really glad that I felt you know, I was trying to get him to do hip hop as well. Right, right. I was just really glad that uh, he did the dance camp and yeah. that I went outside the box, you know, right. and um, it's sad that it's outside the box, right. but it is, you know. Right. So I was just really glad that at least he's gotten a couple weeks of ballet in his life. He's yeah. gotten a little bit of tap and then yeah. a lot of creative movement. Yeah. I have two boys in my five and six year old ballet class right now. And I have um, a couple boys in each of my ballet classes for littles. And so it's still the ratio is definitely mm -hmm. predominantly female in the dance world uh, for younger ages. It starts to even out as they get older in companies yeah. because companies want a more equal ratio of males to females. And so that's its own conversation about, you know, how um, talented males versus females have to be for company spots. And that's not to downgrade the male's talent. Yeah, but it's less competitive because there's less males. Yes. Yeah. So the, 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 yeah, the talent is a little different when what you're looking for. Um, but I really fell in love with the idea of creative movement. And it wasn't really something I had thought about before I started my professional development. 
I thought about wanting to make sure that dance was accessible and felt safe mm-hmm. for for boys and their families. They didn't feel like it was something that would be counterculture or difficult to put their boys in. But even then, I always knew that dance was something that should be for everybody. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really know why I felt that way or what that meant. And then I started to take these classes and it basically put words to the feelings I had, which was mm-hmm. really neat for me. And so I really, it's still a huge passion project of mine to eventually really develop my own creative movement program and following. And so that's the dance camp that you're talking about Mm -hmm. that you put your son in is my creative movement one. So Mm -hmm. I didn't just offer a ballet, tap, jazz Mm -hmm. summer camp. I wanted to do creative movement. And so one of my directors gave me the opportunity to do that. And so it looked different over those couple of years that your son and daughters took it with me as well. But, um... One year I did, each day was a different theme day. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so fun because the components and the learning opportunities were the same each day, but they got to see it in a completely new way each day. And so, you know, one day was superheroes and our obstacle course involved leaping over buildings and yeah, rolling on so the floor, cute. yeah, yeah. <laughs> crawling in underground sewers, you know, and so... I just got really creative in what I offered, but what they were developing was their crossbody movement. They were practicing skips and jumps and hopping on one foot, and they don't even know all of that. Yeah. I don't have to call it out. I'm just saying, okay, now you hop from one foot to the other, yeah. or you're balancing on here, and then show me your superhero pose. So they're creating, and they're doing all of these really amazing um, motor skills and it's just it's a fantastic opportunity for all children and if people can kind of get out of their heads a little bit when it comes to dance right you know I think that they would see the value for every child to have the opportunity to move well I mean when you're at a wedding who's more fun to watch doing the good dance move oh totally it's the men totally they have the agility it's impressive and it's yeah. It's fun and, yeah. yeah and so um I love it when I go to the uh Performance or recitals. Yeah, recitals, yeah. And the adult, the teachers put on theirs. <laughs> and when the males come out right. and show what they can do, right. and especially that hip hop guy. Yeah. It was so fun. He was like so cool. He's so fun. You yeah. see his whole spirit come out. Yeah. Yeah. When the teachers dance, it's fun because it's a unique opportunity. Um, and in the right setting, we're not overly concerned about what we look like and what the parents think of us. We're right. having fun. We're just yeah. showing the kids that we still love to do what we do. And we may not be the best in our fields. Like, I'm not a professional ballerina status, you know what I mean? But I love what I do. I work hard, but even if my feet might not be the most pointed, I am dancing my booty off yeah. and having so much fun. Well, it's good for role models. And then for right. males, little boys, to see the males out there, too, yeah. I think is... A really good role model for yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of that hip-hop teacher, what was fun, I don't remember if your kids were in the show this particular year, but the teacher dances would kind of change. Sometimes we let each teacher do their own genre, mm-hmm. and so then we get our chance to kind of shine at what we do. And then other times we do kind of a more of a, like a jazz catch-all dance, and so everyone feels mostly comfortable. It mm-hmm. just may not be any one person's particular wheelhouse. And so that hip-hop teacher and I were given some partnering work to do. Oh, So it was more of a contemporary jazz dance, which is not his wheelhouse, but he was trained in those things as well throughout his career. So he's familiar with the steps. And so it was just fun because he was like lifting me and like we did moves together. And I just had a blast because we were having fun. Yeah. It was about being 
you know, just sharing with our kids, like, even if you're not the best tap dancer in the world, if you're having fun, go do it. Yeah. 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 And that's the kind of studio we are. You know, we're not a highly competitive studio where our students don't feel safe to just be themselves. Um, both of my schools. Well, I took the adult hip hop class and it wasn't really adult. It was level two. Right. And it was the teens. And then I was the only adult, (laughs) but it was, it was so cool because the teacher, regularly said there's no judgment right you know and it was true it was definitely you know finding a a dance studio that makes judgment right a big no-no right is really awesome because then you everyone sits down and then you're up there showing your she would have like two or three of us up there and then she would critique each of us just saying this is this is what you need to work on right other people can learn what we're doing right and wrong but but everyone clapped there was I was thinking the teenagers are going to roll their eyes at me. They weren't. They were probably just like, wow, look at that mom up there jumping around, you know? Right. And that's the thing. From the right dance community, music community, arts community, it's a super supportive community. As long as you pick the right one, though. So maybe that's also something for parents listening to this. Yeah. Like, that's something to look for when you're looking for a dance studio. They're everywhere. I mean, just in our city alone, we have, like, three or four. At least. Yeah. Yeah. So to to kind of pay attention to how people are treating each other when you're looking for That's always my big recommendation because I get asked a lot, like, what should I look for in a studio or where should I go? Or And even at the studios I teach at, they're both different. And Mm -hmm. I say, you have to find the one that you want to be your dance family. You know, because if your kids are going to commit to it and they want to become technically proficient and it's not just a totally for fun situation. So if you're talking about wanting to have a ballet dancer, then you're talking about needing to make sure it treads both carefully, that you're getting quality dance education as well as a supportive community. And sometimes that can be a challenge. We've Mm -hmm. all heard about Dance Moms, the reality show, and there's a huge dance community that is so highly competitive that it's cutthroat and it's ugly and it's not for everybody. You know, and that's not the only way to have a professional career, which is one of the biggest things that I advise parents is that is not the way, the only way to get your child out there Mm -hmm. and to get your child on a path to have a professional dance career. In fact, most of those dancers experience high percentages of burnout and they're done dancing by the time they're out of high school. Yeah, the stress of all that. Right. Many high school athletes, in fact, you know, like who are on, I don't know, you know, just really intense tracks, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them drop out Mm -hmm. at that point because it's a lot of work. And now that they're out of high school, they have to choose to do it Mm -hmm. and maybe they don't want to, it's not worth it for them because that's not the only way to do something they love, Mm -hmm. you know? And so then they have to even decide, was that sport even something I loved or was I just good at it and did it? Right. You know? And then if they did love it and pursue it, I've had so many students who have gone more the competitive dance route than after high school, they transitioned, you know? So I have some who, transitioned into becoming educators themselves Mm -hmm. and so that's been a real huge like point for me I'm like yes you know you see the value in becoming an educator and you're seeing dance from a bigger perspective you're not just doing dance for a job you're not just teaching for a job but you are developing your own unique like place in the dance world Mm -hmm. which is really cool and then many I have so many dancers it's like swimmers I'm sure like any kind of dedicated athlete they often have such a huge work drive and ability to manage things mm-hmm. I have dancers who've gone to pursue medical careers it's a yeah. really common thing for dancers whether mm-hmm. it's physical therapy or well, MDs the body and, right, yeah. kinesiology and so that's a really 
interesting thing, but that's years of commitment to school and to do well. It's not just getting it done, but to do well. And I think it depends on the sport, like you're saying, because uh, like at UCLA, swimmers had the highest GPA of of, of student athletes. Um, And so it depends like on the the type of sport and the type of person who goes to work ethic. Yeah, yeah, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's just fascinating, but um, I find that dancers usually after high school, there's a huge shift when they're not in the fully supportive environment. If it was overly um, competitive, they have to kind of reinvent who they are yeah. and find a different way to dance. But we're talking about like, you but know, that's what parents committed are dancers, for, right? Sure. There's a number of people who they see such passion in their right. children. They want to make sure they're at a right. school that will a dance school right. that will get them to where their child really wants right. to go. And if you're not looking for that, then what I suggest is you look for schools that have teachers who have strong education backgrounds because what you really want to have from it is good things for your children. So you want to have, you know, these these brain compatible dance education lessons. You want teachers who are developing motor skills and not tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, learning to stand there and hold a pose for 5 hours isn't really developing motor skills. Right. You're developing one skill. Right. You know, and so um, a part of my dance education was learning about creative movement. And there's um, this unique thing that a- Anne Green Gilbert developed called brain dance, the mm. brain dance. And so um, I created my own version of it into a warm up. And so we're um, going to share one with you. And um, link it here and have our kids kind of demonstrate this yeah. brain dance warm up because both of our kids are uh, intimately familiar with it at this point in time. But it's just so fun because it hits all of these major developmental areas, tactile, uh, vestibular, so just getting them spinning and dizzy and testing that system, um, cross body and all these things. And so it's just really neat um, how it goes through the list. So I'm going to lay that out as a blog post as well because it's just wonderful. And then um, we'll have the YouTube so you guys can follow along, have your kids do it. It's super fantastic. You can even do it on a daily basis to start yes. off your school day. Yep. Or if the kids are, if you if you are someone who does multiple subjects, yep. you could even do it like halfway through the day like right. in between as a, a brain break. Yeah. Um this one was specially designed by Anne Green Gilbert as a way to start. So if okay. you want to warm up the brain for learning, going through these eight dance movement patterns are so great for opening up the brain. So what we do normally in this creative movement type of course or class is we would start with the brain dance warm up then you sit down and talk about a concept. So if the mm-hmm. concept of the day is balance, mm-hmm. then we're going to talk about what that means. What does it look like? What's a counterbalance? What mm-hmm. does it mean when you're off balance? Mm-hmm. When you're off balance, how can you fall so that you can protect your body? Mm-hmm. You know, and so we d- discuss the concept and then you get up and then you do. And so in a one hour setting, that's what it would look like. If you're incorporating it into your daily homeschool, do the brain dance as soon as you guys are ready for learning and then you move into whatever subject or area that and you're And maybe you would about. do like too, you could also, correct me if I'm wrong, you, since they're ready and full of energy and, mm-hmm. and their brain is stimulated, maybe tackle their hardest subject first. Uh, anything. And I think that would be unique to each family, whatever works or even each child. Yeah. Um, you know, they have all of this energy and their brains are open. So what's What's the best opportunity? And they're really ready for listening. So I think something that's heavy, that involves 
the parent mm -hmm. teacher component is really a great opportunity to do right after you do a brain dance warm up. Cool. Yeah. So I would say and that'll be free. That's for yeah. their mm -hmm. people. Yeah. So I would say if you're looking for these opportunities, again, there's definitely creative movement on YouTube on OutSchool. There's community programs. A music and movement program is pretty easy to find, especially for toddlers. A little bit harder for older kids, but look into creative movement studios. Don't necessarily search dance studio hmm. because you may only find traditional dance um, genres, mm -hmm. ballet, tap, and jazz, hip hop, you know, those kinds of things, which are great, but you may not get an educator who's going to be teaching these really optimal things mm -hmm. for your children. So be cool to find like a parkour thing like that oh, too absolutely. for the older yeah. kids, you know, if if they have someone like you employed there, right. you know, that would be pretty, you yeah. know, who would, instead of ballet, it would be parkour, right? right? That's what but I think is know, really fascinating is I would love to be able to share that within the community, you know, mm -hmm. go to the gyms, go to different places and say like, Hey, adopt a warm up like this, change up the music, you know, for my theme day camp, I would do the exact same warm up but I would find the music that was on themes. Mm -hmm. So when it was superhero themes, I was playing the Batman theme for our, you know, crossbody touches, hand to foot, you know, and that kind of thing. And cool. then I play Superwoman or I don't know, Wonder Woman for something else. So I curated all of these playlists that had the right length of song for each of my brain dance wow, that's components. Cool. So that was how it varied. But I would say look into creative movement, look into things that really develop the brain body connection and aren't limited in their offering. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was really a lot. Um, so anything else I have to say will be in a blog post yeah. or in a okay. link somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and we'll wrap this up now by talking about our joys. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I'll go. You it. probably need a break from, from all that. Thank you for all that. That was yeah. a lot yeah. of, you know, consolidation of so, so many years right. of knowledge and, and just passion. So it's yeah. like, I can't stop talking about it once I start, you yeah. know, and so yeah. it's hard to consolidate it down. No. And I love the advice too, for mm -hmm. people like me who don't know this kind of thing that there's even differences in dance schools and, mm -hmm. or other like that, that kids should be doing this right. type of stuff, you yeah. know? So uh, my joy is, this is kind of a funny one. Sometimes my six-year-old writes me notes while she's in bed and then slides them under my door oh, or puts them on my bed if I'm not there. And I was not, I was kind of ignoring her um, because she's having a hard time going right. to bed at night. Having a moment. So I was just ignoring her. And um, so then the note she slid under, again, she doesn't really write much. She's not really a reader yet. Right, right. You know, it's something she's been working on this year. Um, but she wrote... On her love note, it was, you don't love me anymore. Right back. <laughs> oh, geez. But what I loved about it is she tackled some big words. Yeah, she did. Like she's never, she doesn't know the word right and anymore, but I totally could read it based on how she sounded out. So the fact that, you know, I didn't mean to assign her sign, no. sounding out a sentence. No. She did all her stuff. She didn't have the W in the right, but she, she had the R-I-T-E. Right. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, right. how did she even know to put the E there? Right. You know? So. She um, hears. Yeah. You know, she's present. She's a paying attention. And yeah. now she knows enough to feel confident. To write. Yeah. She's very much like mine. And I know we've talked about it, yeah. but that's basically how that happened for yeah. mine too. I couldn't sit there and teach it to her. Yeah. But now she all had of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And anymore, I knew exactly what that, that right. said. And so. It was just really, and then it was funny. Okay. You know? Did the Neil Diamond song go through your head? You don't love me anymore. No, it no. didn't. Okay. I, I need to brush okay. up on my so, Neil. 
If you're not watching the YouTube, my shirt says my brain is 80% song lyrics. Well, now we're all looking at your chest. Fairly true. <laughs> <laughs> which is a fairly true uh, statement because I hear people say words or oh, say sentences and I immediately Well, you just did that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I had to call it out. Well, your whole house is musical. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Really, my, oh, you've met my husband. Yeah. Nothing but music oh, and I love song it. lyrics yeah. and dance moves. And so it was I don't just think anyone can match up to your spouse's... Uh, uh, my pop music, favorite thing was going turns. to weddings with him and being able to dance. Oh, yeah. So it was like a huge part of our wedding was I wanted to get right to the dancing um, and make that super awesome. And it's funny because then we went through this phase of having children, you know, young babies, and we would never stay at a wedding until the dancing. Oh, Because yeah. it took forever to get to yeah. the dancing part. And I'm like, that's all I want to do. I know. And, then and that's leave. really the only time we dance, right? Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I love dancing with him. He's my favorite dance Aww. partner. And, He's so yeah. fun. And he does the best Michael Jackson moves, I have to say. Yeah. Pretty good. He's Maybe been doing we'll, this uh, a lot lately. Yeah, we'll uh, bless you with that one day. Yeah. All right. My joy was my daughter's birthday. Yeah, so she turned nine, and um, it's still COVID times, um, and so we did several small little things, and so we just kind of honed in on on groups of people that we, you know, Fun. felt like could be together, and mm-hmm. so it ended up being like five separate celebrations, <laughs> and it was so much, but it was just a really awesome week. We have our new house, and it's perfect for hosting, you know, small and big groups, and so we just, we did brunches and we did dinner. She really, she and my husband, it was due to a game you gave us mm-hmm. called um, oh. Oh, Banana Split. Yeah. Banana Split. I call it the ice cream game. But right, yeah, right. It's called, called Banana, Banana Split. Split. And so every time we play that game, my husband and daughter are daydreaming about Sundays, ice cream Sundays. And so we came up with the idea that that would be her birthday dessert. And so that's what we did. And um, we had such a blast. The kids like ordered ice cream through our little kitchen cutout window into the dining room. And my husband is like an expert ice cream maker because one of his first jobs was at Baskin Robbins. So uh, it was just super fun and just sweet to celebrate her and kind of pick out some of her favorite things to do. And yeah, it's just a neat week. And I can't believe she's nice. And she's who made you a mother. Oh, and fun fact. Since this is the episode we're talking about, she was born on February 2nd, which in numbers is 2-2, which spelled oh. out in ballet style is T-U-T-U, 2-2. Oh, she's my cute. little 2-2 baby. Oh. I've always called her that. I think she's into yeah. dance. My midwife was uh, uh, adamant that she had to be born on that day. The more he, It was the oh, male yeah, midwife, perfect. too. Yeah. But the more he spent time with us, he was like, you need her born before midnight? Okay, we got this. Eleven forty-five so p.m. on two two. So like we waited all day to find out if she was going to be born Fine. before midnight or not. Yeah, you should do a two two theme birthday for her next I did. year. Her oh, first birthday was bow ties. Oh, yeah. Two twos and bow ties oh, yeah, was her cute. first birthday. Super cute theme. Um, although that should have been her second birthday because that was her golden oh, birthday. Oh. She, was, she turned two, two on two yeah. two, but you know, mom brain didn't connect that together. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, she was my two two girl, and then her birthday this year fell on two two Tuesday. So oh. the dance world has a hashtag Tutu Tuesday and everyone oh, posts cute. their tutu photos on Tuesdays and so her birthday was Tutu oh, Tuesday. How yeah. Fun. yeah. So did you guys all talk about how the ice cream game that I gave you for Christmas was the best Christmas gift ever? It definitely was. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. All right. That's music and movement. So Let, go get out, let's listen move to music out. And we go. We're moving. We're shaking and grooving.